Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s, one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether you should or should not dig these back out again. If you are ready for an 80s music deep dive, from Public Enemy to Wham, Eno to XTC, Madonna, hair metal, reggae, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn the Walkman up to 10, and oh, let's go. Now, from the kitchen, Chris and Henry. All right, Henry, here we are. Oh, my goodness. We're repeating June. We're actually doing a double episode. <laughs> we did June episode. Uh, welcome to 80s Music Exposed. I'm Henry. And I'm Chris. And this is part two. Part two of June. Did you realize when we were doing June last month that we had a part two? I did, but I didn't look at what was put in part two. And after looking at it, I thought maybe I should have rearranged it a little bit different. <laughs> I wonder. But we'll see. I mean, I, sometimes these episodes that I go into thinking not so great things about turn out to be great episodes. So, so uh, sometimes, so, a lot of times, uh, Chris does the show notes beforehand because I'm lazy as hell. And so I'll look at what he, the way he's got things organized mostly so that I can be critical and critique it for a second <laughs> <laughs> or change the order. Like, you know, when we're listening to records, we might have like a narrative in mind or, or a way that the arc might happen. Weirdly enough, we always, I mean, almost always have the same general arc, which makes me feel good. Cause I'm thinking maybe uh, we're both hitting what's important about these records instead of going off in wild tangents. But before we get into the records, Henry, yeah. why don't we quickly do the plugs at the top? Plugs at the top. If you like our show or you like the records we're choosing, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify and Stitcher, and please share it with your friends. That really helps. You can chat us up on Twitter at 80s Exposed or email us at 80smusicexposed at gmail.com. My Twitter handle, if you want to talk to me, is at T-C-I-D- Duke, D-U-K-E. And mine, Hen- my, uh, Henry, Henry's Twitter handle, <laughs> at Hank G, H-A-N-K-G-E-E. See, we even both fucked up the same part of the segment. We're, we're, in, we're in sync right now. Also, Henry, how do we pick the uh, records that we review? We use a method that's called RAGS, R-A-G-S, and that is an Easter egg for you to go back to every other episode we've done and try to determine what what criteria we're using to pick records and and during the show during this particular episode i'm going to bring up a problem i have with the rags method so listen to that later because this one really bit me in the fucking nuts (laughs) so henry since we've already done current events in the last episode for june and it was hard tough enough to mine some uh, big time events I thought what I might do is last night I went to one of these, and I don't normally do this, but I went to one of these. Would you call it like an '80s revival I mean, show? I had when you told me you were going. There's really no other thing I could think of was, was imagining. So well, let me ask you this I, question: What is the difference in what is the and there is a difference? What is the difference in us going and getting excited about an Echo and the Bunnymen show? Versus going to this thing, which kind of felt something like a review. Like a, it reminded me of, remember when we were kids and we would make fun of our dads because they would go, do you want to go to this solid gold Saturday night 60s review show with, and you'd look at the list and there'd be like five bands. You'd be like, shit, 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 <laughs> shit. This is what it felt like I was going to. So it was Gene Loves Jezebel, 
was right. the opener. Jay Ashton's. I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, was, <laughs> uh, the middle band was Modern English. Yeah. And the headliner was a band called The Alarm, which I wasn't that fond of. Uh, back when the alarm was the alarm. <laughs> They're um, not the alarm anymore. Well, they are, but I, I guess in my mind, all of these bands are not what they used to be. Um, but I went to the show anyway. Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't have high expectations, as you can probably hear. So, Gene Loves Jezebel, or Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. Uh-huh. I did not know back in the day that Gene Loves Jezebel was started by twin brothers, Michael and Jay Aston. Okay. There's been a feud. <laughs> <laughs> They've sued each other a couple times really? over the entire legacy of Gene Loves Jezebel, which I think because of what the settlement came their, out to be. Their vast catalog. I think the judge was kind of making a bit of a statement in his judgment about this feud because he basically said, look, here's what we're going to do. Michael lives in California. Uh-huh. Jay lives in England. Okay. When when Michael is performing in America, uh-huh. he is Gene Loves Jezebel. <laughs> okay. When Jay is performing in England... He is Gene Loves so we Jezebel. Have two, two competing versions. But if Jay steps into America, he becomes Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. Oh, the ultimate humiliation. And if Michael steps in England, he must be called Michael who, Aston's like, Jane Lo- Gene Loves Jezebel. Who gets America? Michael hmm. gets America. That, that Does that mean he's better? Well, <laughs> but they're from England. Jay. Which one got all the band members is what I want to know. Well, here's the thing. Neither one of them have any band members. Oh, okay. They, so, uh, so none of the original is no, with either one of them. No. My, 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 here's what I thought of Jay Aston's Gene Loves Jezebel. Uh-huh. If you can imagine, Tommy was so <laughs> fronting a rock band. I missed it. With a lot of energy, which is not, you know, jumping around uh. like a pixie. Was it like a rock show? Like yes, and he's wearing a he's he looks like he's like sixty five or seventy. Yeah, he's a vegan, so he's real skinny. He's wearing super tight skinny jeans. Okay, and a um, deep V t shirt. Okay, a pair of dark sunglasses and a big floppy hat. A floppy hat. A floppy hat with Tommy Wiseau long dark jet black hair, oh, and he's man. dancing around. You know, doing the whole. Um, Rubbing up on the guitar player during the solo. Oh, that old... Just doing all the stuff. That sounds amazing, actually. It was really entertaining. <laughs> I did not enjoy their songs that much, but he was highly so, entertaining. So that was Gene Love Jezebel. Modern okay. English comes on. I have no expectation. But, Henry, I went to see Modern English because I'm like, I want to hear these motherfuckers play one other song. These guys blew me away. No shit. I did not know this. Their first three albums were on 4 AD. They played mostly songs from the first two records. Really? And they were... I don't know why I didn't like this band back then. They were great. They were they, way they better were the than... The Real Deal? The Real Deal. We went and saw another legacy band, the Connells, recently. Yeah. Better. Better than that. Yeah. These guys were age-appropriate looking. And I feel bad that we didn't cover any of their records on our program. Ugh. Because I've always thought they were one-hit wonders and they didn't have an album's worth of stuff. Blew my mind. Uh, their first record, mm-hmm. which I listened to today, uh, which they played three songs off of, is so obviously influenced by Joy Division that mm-hmm. it's not even funny. 
Uh, their second record, which they said they were trying to make a pop record, is everything that I wished a pop record back then would sound like. Really? It just had that one song on it that blew up and then, I think, ruined their career. You know, I don't. I, be, I mean, this is sort of a theme that, that I think you could apply to probably the psychedelic furs we listened to last month. Like, that they get a hit and it just kind of ruins them. Yeah, it almost, and I know it probably enriched their lives, but it probably it ruined more, them as a band. Made more money. Right. The alarm hit the stage. <laughs> people, people in their 60s or late 50s don't need to have the same haircut they had. Was it like floppy hair? So here's what he Somebody, looks like to me, and, uh, I, and I, I couldn't get this out of my head, and I also couldn't get out of my head how much it sounded like this to me. What? He looks like Melissa Etheridge. He sounds like <laughs> Melissa Etheridge. The entire show, to me, sounded like a Melissa Etheridge concert. Come to my window. <laughs> he plays an acoustic guitar, which I always hate. Melissa Etheridge and her ovation goddamn guitars. Did he play that? It wasn't an ovation, but it was... Close? I mean... Did it have a plastic back on it? No, but it did. Yes. And it also had... It was also, like... Um, had a pickup trying to make it sound electric. But tell me if this is not a dead ringer from Melissa Etheridge. Oh, wow. Is that him? That's him. He hasn't changed much. Except he's a, he's a little bit wider. Yeah, a little wider. But yeah, he, he looks like that. That's an interesting haircut. That's a really interesting Come haircut. to my window. But overall, I was glad I went. I rediscovered modern English, and I feel like if we ever do an episode of like, so, uh, oops, we forgot some records that we should cover, which I think would be a fun episode to do sometime, I'm going to put one of these modern English records hey, in there. So Mesh and Lace did come out in 81. That's correct. So we missed them two months ago. That's correct. We missed them back in April. But we do have an opportunity to pick them up. Um, and I feel terrible because they are yeah. on the list of ones that didn't make the cut. Well, no, a, a note to a note to go back and check out Modern English and don't dismiss them. Yes. So, Henry, the first time we're going to review from the second part of June of 1981 is an album called, I want to try to do this, Whoppin'. That's, I think that's right. Whopping. Right. Whopping. When I do it, I have to do it like a quick whopping. <laughs> you know, like, it's like a question. Well, the, the or or called, you could say whopping, and then it just sounds like you're saying whopping something. Whopping. Whopping by the beat, or as we know them in America, the English beat. Right. Whew, that's a lot to get through. And the song we're going to play is called Doors to Your Heart. All right, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this so album, Henry. So this, we reviewed uh, their first um, 
their first album called I Can't Stop It. Uh, their debut album. It was like you... May of 80 or something right. like that. Right. And a, a record, if I re- remember, we both we liked both quite liked a bit. It. We both liked it um, for probably similar reasons, I would imagine. Um, when I first put this on, I realized that they were trying to get rid of what the, all the things that I thought they were good that made them good. Did it I, shock you? I wasn't shocked. I was disappointed, I guess. I don't know. I know that artists have to change, and I know that they wanted to experiment with African rhythms and all that stuff, but it seemed more of a watering down than a, a progression. It, does it, do you know what I mean by that? I totally know what you mean, and I think it's interesting because uh, from what my research was, what you, your reaction is exactly what the fans had because I, I I'm taking it you haven't heard much of Wappin, um, not before this. before this. Nope. For some strange reason, when I started collecting vinyl as a kid, this uh-huh. was one that my brother just gave me. Oh, really? So I actually heard this one first. Oh, really? So I really liked the other one because it had so much energy. When I bought the CD, when uh-huh. CDs came out, because I was expecting Wappin. Which was kind of, it's much more chill. Uh-huh. It, to me, it's much more laid back. Like California or something. Well, I hear Feeling. the African thing. I kind of get that, this like Western African kind of chill thing. Yeah. But with all that said, I think, and you're going to be shocked, I think this album is better well, than the other one. I think you have to get over your expectation yes. of what this uh, is supposed to be. I, I'd agree with you. You want to hear Mirror in the Bathroom at... 190 beats per second again. I think so. And, uh, and, and whatever box they were in, I'm not allowing them to be something else. Right. And I think, I think we have to go back in our time uh, machine and look at what was going on at the time. There were a couple other bands mm-hmm. that had blown up in England with this ska revival thing. Mm-hmm. One of them notably being the specials. Mm-hmm. And I, fe- I think they felt like they were being painted in this box of a certain, you know what it reminded me of? What? Kind of what we lived through with. Remember the whole squirrel nut zippers thing that yes. came and went really quick, and it was like the sky, whatever. Thing. Well, and it was just kind of this like it was such a pigeonholed genre. Like, what could squirrel nut zippers where, do? Where if, can you go? Yeah, where do you after go? That. So I thought it was a bold move to try to get out of the box. I also thought it was interesting that I don't know if you read this that basically what happened was they just started listening to different stuff when they were on tour for the mm-hmm. last record, African music and stuff, and it like just that. sort of came out this way, which I thought was interesting. I like it better. I think it. I think it takes. I wrote down. I think it takes a deep dive. This record is not one you just like instantly. Mm. The first record you can put on at a party and just be like, "Yeah, yeah, this is great." You know. Yeah. This is not that record. <laughs> it's just. It's weird how the band could go from something that I that's so interesting to something that's immediate. Like I just don't care. You know. I want, right. I wanted to care, but I didn't. Uh, anyway, that's. Just felt like a, a watered-down version of them or something. Well, for me, I, I had plenty of time growing up because I only owned like four albums to, to sit and marinate in this record. <laughs> so I really like this record. I gave it one pass, I got to tell you. I'm going to um, – I recommended it then. I'm going to recommend it now. I really like it. I think it's worth it, – it's a good enough record to give it more than one listen, mm. I think – and I, I feel like they're incorrectly, it's incorrectly compared to that first record all the time. That's all it is. And it's like comparing heroin to cocaine. 
They're two totally different drugs. Well, also, I mean, when you ask, how do you like that analogy? They are two two <laughs> totally different drugs, and I Both. should know. Um, but then it's like you're asking me this question: Well, do you recommend it or not? I mean, compared to some other shit, you know, compared to some other records, I might. You sure. know, if I have to, if if it's this or you know. I'm, this is not an either or. This is just. Do you it's recommend hard. to nah. our listeners that they should go back? No, nah, I listen out? to the first one. Okay, I say I don't. I don't think you're missing much. Skipping this one, put it that way. All right, there. Henry has spoken. Henry, tell us uh, what our next record's going to be. Next record will be. Uh, we're going to listen to. Oh, good. We're starting to get into the pun records. As far as I am, by Red Rider, and the song we're going to listen. Don't you to. love puns in the album titles, Henry? Yeah, I'm really glad you picked this song. <laughs> We're going to play, uh, we're going to listen to part of Lunatic Fringe. I go first on this one. The reason I picked Lunatic Fringe is because the only song worth a shit on this record <laughs> is Lunatic Fringe. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and here's what I'm, and folks, if you don't, if you don't believe me, you don't like my taste, go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia talks about one thing for this whole record, Lunatic Fringe. <laughs> it doesn't talk about anything else. Okay. And let me tell you, that song is not that great. That Lunatic song, Fringe has one awesome part, and then the other two parts suck. And guess what, folks? It is miles <laughs> better than anything else on this record. Let me ask you this. If you made it with a close listen to the rest of this album. I mean, I played it enough to say that I heard the record. Okay, did they not even sound tired? I mean, yeah. Uh, the whole thing, I don't... I, they sounded like they didn't want to play this shit. Canadians love them. He's, he, is, he was Brian Adams before... Brian Adams. I do not like Brian Adams. But Brian and, Adams is But better. Brian Adams' uh, summer 69 shit like kills this stuff. This is so boring that it's... He sounds bored. Awesome album cover, though. Great album cover. Don't you agree with me? I agree with and that. And the one after that, Naruto, was good, too. And I'll tell you this. I saw it enough times on MTV. The, the, the video for Lunatic Fringe is pretty good. <laughs> There's nothing else to talk about. Even even trying to do research on this record was very hard. No one wants to talk. Even all music was just like, well, there's Lunatic Fringe. 
I like I also want to say anytime a band is so bankrupt of ideas that they named the album with a pun. As far as Siam. And guess what? It's not the only one we're reviewing, folks. We've got another pun record oh, coming even, up, but we'll get there. Don't say it. Don't say it. I want to. I want to say it. So, I, Henry, this I, is so where I want to. Tom Cochran, look, look, I want to. Life is a highway. That's the guy. That's the guy. But you know what? Even, even, okay, here's the thing, though. Life is a, I, I'm glad you brought this up. Life is a highway is the distilled down best version of the crap that's on this record. It's not Lunatic Fringe. Lunatic Fringe has this, I, I know it had to be the producer. It's got this weird kind of eerie thing. It's perfect for movie soundtracks. Like, I, I can remember a Miami Vice episode uh-huh. where, where like Crockett's going crazy and there's like cars going on and you hear, Somebody, somebody should take Lunatic Fringe, or some hip hop guy probably already has. I think Michael lift, Mann has used Lunatic Fringe in everything he did. I think Manhunter was in there. I think it is. <laughs> Any serial killer shit, Lunatic Fringe is going to be in there. But Life is a Highway is shit. It's just the best of his other shit. And you know what? You are very right. Lunatic, um, Life is a Highway could be a Brian Adams song. Oh yeah. I never thought of that. Listen to anything Tom Cochran has done and imagine Brian Adams doing it and you'd be like, yep. I'd probably like it better because I don't like Red So I heard, I don't know that this is true. Red, I heard two stories. One from a better source than another one, I think. I don't remember what they were. So we'll Google it up, Google people. But supposedly Red Rider existed and Tom Cochran was introduced to Red Rider by the record label. Poor Red Rider. The other says that they met Tom Cochran in a bar. So they may have been a concoction. You know what I mean? Well, I feel sorry for Red Rider because it didn't turn out to be the whole journey story when just, Steve Perry was introduced to those boys. This turned out to be a <laughs> shit storm. Red Rider was basically a vehicle for Tom Cochran to try to write sort of songs. And it's just not that great a song. And you know, I found Henry when I really dislike a record that we've been covering so far, Uh, my first inclination is usually this thought goes through my mind. What, what, what influences these people? Like, what is he going for? I don't know. Uh, Here's my Easter egg too, by the way, here's my bitch and moan at the rags method. My first one. Uh The only reason I'm listening to this going, what the fuck are we reviewing this record for? Cause somebody liked it. Rolling Stone back in the day gave this five stars. Rolling Stone can kiss my ass. Payola. That was Payola. <laughs> they loved it Lunatic had- Fringe. They loved it. I'm sorry, folks. This record should not. I feel bad that the modern English record was not reviewed because we had to oh, make I've room already, for. I've, I've already written my guilt thing down. Uh, and, this, but I, I'm, this- reser- I'm reserving my guilt. Mm-hmm. bit for one of the other records okay. that we're listening to. Well, Henry, I want to go ahead and I think we're both uh, in agreement. We're not yes. going to recommend this record. This will suck. I want to go ahead and get to the next record, which I want to do a side-by-side comparison with Red Rider, is why I put them together. <laughs> this is the Greg Kinn Band. And hey, we've got another pun. Just to start off the similarities, we've got a pun. The album is called Rock and Roll. <laughs> That's with Greg Kinn's last name in it. Rock Ken Roll. The song that I'm going to play is called The Breakup Song. We've broken up a good just an hour before. Oh, 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 oh
I'm just going to say a few words real quick. <clears throat> Rock Ken roll. Continued. Conspiracy. Contagious. Citizen Ken. Five, Henry. Five fucking That's albums all... in a row with puns. That's, he's funny. He's quirky and interesting. Jesus Get it? Christ. What, so this tell is me what's kind of worse. Band. Dudes who listen to this band, uh, they went on to become Republican senators. You know, they play golf. They wear like, you know. Uh, Greg Ken is 70 years old now. Well, he was, he was, he was older. Like he was 30 something. When it all went when, down. When all this went down. And they were indie, supposedly. Well, well let me you tell know. you this. You're going to be shocked. The reason I wanted to do this next to Red Rider is if you're in the mood for listening to some rock and roll that I don't know where it comes from or what, what influenced it or why it's in the 80s, go with the Greg Kin Band. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you what. You could hear one thing at least in this album. These motherfuckers gave a shit. These motherfuckers are power packed full of energy compared to Red Rider. Their shit is coming out hard. I if mean, we went to a review show the hell? with Red Rider and Greg Ken, Greg Ken's 70 year old ass would mop the floor <laughs> with Tom Cochran. Okay? Now, I'm not saying I like this record, Henry, but from the first track, I'm did like, you, these motherfuckers did you give listen, a shit. Did you listen to Womankind? I sure did. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? It was like a bunch of misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> mixed in. I with, can make no. Well, well, they have a right to speak their mind. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I I have no make no excuses for what he's writing about. But Tom Cochran sounds bored with himself. Greg Ken is in love with his shit. And, and let me tell you, Greg he, Ken. He doesn't. He I sounds mean, like he's working hard, Henry. He is a hard worker. These motherfuckers were he's working. working hard. But so, I mean, Hootie and the Blowfish worked hard. Well, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to make a comparison. The Hootie and the Blowfish of nineteen of the eighties, vapid, annoying, <laughs> derivative, but less so than Red Rider. Cliche, but less cliche so than Red Rider. All over the place. I mean, that's your new comparison. Are they? Red Red Riders suck. Like no, we listen to Air Supply. They suck, but like that's a different kind of suck. That's a different kind of suck. This we is, have to come up with better. This is the kind down. of suck where these guys, these guys, I expect more rock than and what roll Air Supply did. with mildly new wave guitars. Right? They they basically tried to turn up the new wave vibe, but you could hear the bluesy bullshit on the back. So what I'd like to publicly apologize for is it makes me feel bad about giving any criticism at all to, like, Rockpile. You know, I sat in judgment of that record kind of unfairly without really realizing this all this other shit, like, really bad stuff, <laughs> existed. I thought, you know, I thought we both it, were, I knew it existed, but I hadn't, hadn't had to listen to I it. I thought we both were a little hard on Rockpile. However, yes. we didn't decimate Rockpile. No, we just both said, I don't no. get this. You could tell there was some talent with Rockpile. Let me tell you something about Greg Kinban. These motherfuckers gave a lot of energy. They put a lot into it. God, you sound like your dad. <laughs> these guys made a lot. Let me tell you. Let me tell you Greg Kinban. Let me tell you. These guys sound like they meant it. Now, are they good? No. You need to recognize. That's the title, Greg Ken. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think we should give them that one. That Free. You, that, that these guys tried really hard. 
I didn't even bring up another I can't album stand it. called Next of Kin. But anyway, I'm going to not recommend this record. But if you must, if you're listening to this episode and go, God damn it, I want to hear some Red Rider, listen to the Great Kin Band. That's all I'm going to say. Instead. Henry, what is our next record? Our next record is... Please bail us out. <laughs> it's going to be Kim Wilde by Kim Wilde. <laughs> Her debut album. And the song we're going to listen to is, you're not doing that one, folks. We're, we're not, not doing, doing that one. We're not. We're, we're not doing we're that We're going one. somewhere else. Try again. We're going to play Water on Glass. Here it is. Excited to do this. I feel like there might be a bit of a sparring match about that breakout. We brought you to the edge, and then we denied you. We we edged you, audience. (laughs) You thought you were going to get to hear kids in America, but no. No, because haven't we all heard that enough? Mm -hmm. Henry, I liked this record. Oh, God. This is some, like, third-rate Debbie Harry Dusty Springfield shit right here. <laughs> I thought there were boring. some really good elements on this album. Boring. I thought there was some good guitar work. Everything on it was a rip of something else. <laughs> I thought that there was some decent songs on this record. Mm. I had just listened the day before to Red Rider and the day before that See, to Greg that's Kent. your problem. That's your problem. And you it's, know what? You I like suck, this record. Suck, and then something else. Did you say suck, suck, goose? <laughs> suck, suck, goose. I like the Kim Wilde record, Henry. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I have no feelings about this record at all. I don't think that it was that great. I did, I mean, her brother and her dad, I think her dad wrote some of the Yeah, lyrics. her dad wrote some of the lyrics. I thought that was interesting. You don't see that. I also right? think, and I, I have a soft spot for bass players. The bass player was great in this band. And I think there was some, and in, in all honesty, being taking the joke inside, maybe you can rip this apart. Yeah. I felt like the guitar and the bass and the drums, um, there was enough, not complicated, but there was enough stuff going on that it wasn't, it didn't sound to me like just session musicians. It wasn't um, as bad as ripping it out. Now, you may not like what they were doing, but I don't think they saw themselves as 
just a pop vehicle. I think they thought of themselves as – is she Australian, I think? I think so. They, I think they thought of themselves as the Australian Blondie. And not in a way like – remember at the time, Henry, in 81, if you went to CBS Records and said, I want to be the next Blondie, they'd be like, Blondie's a little indie band from New York. What do you want to be that for? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Blondie now. So I'm trying to I'm trying to find some – I'm trying to find an angle here that I can convince you that this is not a horrible record. I mean, that's the but that's the problem. Like, it's not horrible. It's not memorable at all. I'll tell you what ruins it. It's there, boring. There's about three songs on there that ruin it, and it's the cliche lyric, and it's the ones I think were striving to be a hit that kind of ruin it. Kids in America was a good song, but the, I think they were hoping for two or three more off this record. The deep dive songs I feel like were better. Um. I don't think Kids in America is the best song on the record. Oh. I thought the one I just played was. However, it's it, this is another interesting point just to bring up as a side note. Mm-hmm. Is it is it hard to even give a fresh take on a song that we know that well? Like, I don't even know if it's a good song or not now. Because it's ubiquitous. Right. It's, it's just like, like, it's like, is Coca-Cola a good name for, for a drink? I don't no. know anymore. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, Who knows? Who the hell knows? Right. So I don't know. It's weird when we hear these albums with one big song on it. It's like, is that even a good, is that the best song? I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was uh, some massive, you know, listening to it was three. They're not equally bad. That's the thing. It's like, I just, it left no impression. So you're not going to recommend Kim Wilde. I'm going to recommend Kim Wilde by Kim Wilde. Interesting. I, I like the record. I think it's worth going back and giving a listen to, especially if all you know of her is Kids in America. So this this has been so far. I would you're I, an for so far. I, I'm no, 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 no. I know. <laughs> I'm, I, I I I see where you're going, and I've actually recommended two records so far, which is shocking. That I, I thought maybe one of us would go over. Henry, the last record we're going to talk about. The last record we're going to talk about. It's not a pun title, but it should be. It's called In the Pocket. That's right. And it's by a band called... Is it a band, Henry? We can talk yeah. about that. Yeah. The Commodores. Yes. And this song I'm going to play is Lady, You Bring Me Up.
right, Henrik, you give you get. So first, this is their night. This is their ninth album. Yes, it is. Uh, and I got to be fair, I have not listened to an, enough Commodore records. I haven't listened to any Commodore records from beginning to end. I was very impressed with this album. Holy shnikes! Yeah, Lionel Richie wrote two. I think two songs on this. So first of all, the band name Commodores is the coolest fucking band name there ever was. I mean, come on. And and if you look at the songwriting credit, everybody gets a shot. But it's also to me like you can hear this is the one where Lionel Richie says, "Okay, look, guys, I'm God's gift to love music. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I know it. Here's here's some some part. I mean, he had already done." Endless Love with Diana Ross. He'd already written that song for uh, for Kenny Rogers. What was that one? Lady. Lady. Just called Lady. Right. Not not, not the lady right. we just listened to. So, I mean, this go- dude was going places, and it was farewell time. If you, if you doubt that at all, listen to the song that he wrote on there called Lucy. It's an amazing... It has a country guitar on it. He sounds... But, Lionel Richie sounds like Bob Seger, but maybe better than him on that. He was a love song master. And so I, this is one of those times where I think the overall quality of the, of the album could seem spotty if you're, like, extremely focused. Because you can clearly tell there is a disparity between the quality of Lionel Richie's songwriting and maybe some of the other members of the band. But it does cohese. It, it messaged... The message to me is, whether it's true or not, dude, we love doing this music, but you need to go be fucking Lionel fucking Richie and be God's gift to love music and spread your wings. We'll keep doing this stuff. So I had the exact opposite reaction of Henry. Very interesting. I would direct anybody that likes this record to the record before it called Heroes. Is it good? Which is... Infinitely better than this record because it was the Commodores still being the Commodores as a unit. Yeah, yeah. This record is Lionel Richie telling everyone to fuck off and the record <laughs> company telling him, go for it, baby. Yeah, exactly. And the other guy's just saying, I'm going to turn in my shit songs. Because what the Commodores were up to that point was a collection of equals who all wrote yeah. songs and they all got their time. And here, Big Shot Lionel, Lionel Richie, Richie is basically like, I want to sing on most of the songs because I'm the fucking man. But what, and by didn't the he way, sing on a lot of them anyway. No, like he's, he usually sang on about a quarter to a third. I mean, I don't know enough about their history. I got to be honest, so I don't know. So Heroes is much more of a collaboration. <clears throat> I think much more solid album. Grand. In the pocket, my problem with In the Pocket is not all that. Lionel Richie should have, uh, I think, his career bears out that he had he every right to do to that. Leave the what he should have done was. <clears throat> was not do a training wheel solo record with the Commodore and besmirch their name and then instantly take all the good songs and less than a year later put them on the first solo record. I don't know. He should have fucking just not done this record, quit after Heroes when they were all on a high, let the Commodores be. Let the poor Commodores be. So you're thinking like his stuff polluted their stuff. I think the record company backed him. I think they told him know. to sing on more songs. And I think this was their test run to see, can Lionel be so you're, you're, in the pocket? So is your the, narrative is saying that, like my narrative is saying that I, I saw it as a natural progression. And that the boys saw said, it as the go one spread your said, wings, little Lionel. Well, that, maybe that's... And I saw it as everybody going, 
can Lionel do this? Let's <laughs> let's let's make this a test run. I'm Mister Positivity, and you're like, fucking, it's gonna be bad. Well, and I, and not I, and oh, not hey, and I look, and again, I think I like when we disagree. Here's another thing uh, that's a theme of this episode, Henry. Is I feel bad that we didn't cover Heroes yeah. in 1980 yeah. well, for see, context, at least. But it's the, a better album. But listen, this is part so, of what we did the show for. We wanted to, we wanted to approach albums that we had not heard, and we're I, doing it. I know. But uh, maybe we can put the. Look, look, I never would have be able to sit here at this table and tell you that I like the Commodores record, and I like Lionel Richie. Right. I mean, damn. Right. Well, look, and I think maybe we can put Heroes on that list of if we ever do a show of. You, Forgotten all right, records. All right, but before admit to me that Lucy's not a fucking good I, song. I will not admit that anything on this record isn't okay. It's yeah. just not top line commerce and the better stuff is coming on the Lionel Richie solo record. I really think they they held out some of the better material for the record that's oh, coming. Oh no, it was like I do. I think shit. Well, I think we'll get to the Lionel Richie solo record and you can tell me what you think. I, I feel like it was an industry thing. Let's put Lionel out way out in front on this one, see if it flies, and then if it does, we'll go whole hog for the Lionel Richie experience. And we don't have to pay five dudes. We can only pay one. But if you look at all the songwriting credit, it seems al- almost everybody gets a shot, seems like. Well, that's the, that's a hallmark of the Commodores. That's um, cool. On most records. I, I think didn't know the, that. I think the thing here was on most Commodore records, and this this is just me, I envisioned them showing up at the studio and – Thomas McClary going, I got one. Guys, ready? Let's do it. It goes like this, da 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 da. And then he steps up with Mike, and the the executive guy in the back of the control room goes, uh, Can we give Lionel a pass at this one? Man, let's just get, let's see what Lionel can do with this one. All right, good. <laughs> I might be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get then we get eight songs in. Lionel's written one, and we're like. Did Lionel just sing I seven? Mean, wait, why are we? Why are you in the, doing this when we have Lionel Richie? Why are you? Why are you singing? Hmm. I disagree. <laughs> I think I think the other guys are super talented too. But hey, they anyway, they're a brotherhood. They stuck together. Lionel decided. Much to do his love own thing. for me to the Commodores. I'm going to give them a thumbs up. Chris and is going to give I'm them a qualified th- something. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Don't go back. If you're going to listen to one, listen to the one before. And now I got to go dad to do that. And see if I agree. And um, so Henry, let's see what Megan thinks. <laughs> everyone, it's Megan here with my segment for our June 1981 Part 2 episode. For this episode, uh, the choice was obvious for me, uh, for my pick of the month, um, and it's going to have to be the English beat, What Happened? So it was released in June 1981, and it was released under the beat in the UK, um, just to be confusing, I guess. I know in the U.S. they were referred to a lot as the English Beat, but in the U.K. they were referred to as the Beat. It's not my favorite record of theirs. Um, That would probably have to be Special Beat Service, which was released in 1982. But this record is still really great. Um, It added a lot of like West African musical influences to it, which is pretty obvious if you listen to it. Um, They're more known for being obviously very ska, reggae, and a little bit of punk rock thrown in. But this one took it in kind of a different direction and slowed things down a little bit. 
Um, I was pretty surprised and intrigued to see that um, NME, the very famous music magazine, named it the fourth best album of 1981. Um, I knew it was pretty critically acclaimed, but I didn't know it was quite that renowned. Um, obviously, in the past year, unfortunately, we lost Ranking Roger. He died of cancer, and it was in March, I believe, of 2019. And he was only 56, which that's just so young to pass away. And um, I really enjoyed the work that he did. And of course, um, Dave Wakeland, who was also in the English Beat, I think he still tours as the English Beat. Um, and they come around to the Detroit area fairly often. So the next time they come through, I'm definitely going to check them out because I feel like we're getting to the point where a lot of these artists that were, you know, in their 20s and 30s and the 80s, they're passing away. Um, actually, after I recorded my June 1981 part one segment, like right after I recorded it, I had found out that Rick Ocasek had passed away, which obviously is a bummer. I mean, I'm not the biggest Cars fan, but I definitely really, really enjoy their music, and they're kind of one of those very quintessential 1980s new wave bands. Um, I was shocked that he was 75. I didn't know that he was quite that old, but definitely a bummer, especially after Eddie Money. Not the biggest fan of his either, but still it's sad. Like I remember growing up and seeing Eddie Money cassettes in my parents' van, so um, definitely like grew up. Uh, with him, like in the musical lexicon of my childhood. Um, another person that we recently lost, not so much an 80s artist, but still somebody that I have to mention, and it's Daniel Johnston. Just such a great artist, very unique, and um, I believe he died of a heart attack. He was also in his 50s, so it's just a bummer. I'm hoping that we don't lose any more um, 80s artists so we can recuperate. Um, I do have some upcoming concerts that I'm pretty excited about. Um, I'm going to go see Peter Hook and The Light on Halloween, actually, in Detroit. And I'm super excited. I mean, I love Joy Division and I love New Order. And I've only heard great things about Peter Hook and like his band. And they play a little bit of both bands of that work. So I'd love to see New Order too, but they don't really come around as much. Um, I think they mainly play like the festival circuits, which I get. I mean, those are probably the money makers for these big bands. I just wish that they would patch things up and Peter Hook would be able to rejoin New Order. I, and I actually bought um, a ticket to see Bob Dylan in East Lansing on November 5th. It was a pretty expensive ticket and I don't have the best seat, but I'm really excited because, I mean, he's just like a living legend and he's 78 so, I mean, while he's still touring and doing it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see it. So I'm really excited. Really, that just wraps up my segment for this show. I um, want to thank you for listening. Uh, if you would do us a big solid and rate and review us on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, if you would like to donate monetarily to the show, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. We do have a Patreon page um, at 80s Music Exposed. And for just a dollar a month, you'll get a shout out from Henry, Chris, and or myself on the show. And then we have another tier, which is $5 or more a month. And for that monthly $5 donation, um, we'll accept your album suggestions for consideration and being discussed or mentioned in the show, with at least one of them for sure being mentioned. Um, and it could be just an album that you really want us to talk about. We, we definitely um, would have a lot of fun uh, taking your recommendations and um, giving them a listen again. 
And for social media, just follow us on Twitter at 80s Exposed, um, Instagram at 80s374, and 80s Music Exposed on Facebook. Um, and also, you can feel free to follow me too. Um, I have an Instagram, uh, Bastards of Young 92, and then a Megan Maddox on Facebook. Um, if you could include, if you do send me a follow or friend request, just include like a note so I know that you're a listener of the podcast because I, I try not to add all of the random friend requests I get. Not that I get a ton, but um, if I know that you're a listener to the show, that'll make me feel a little more comfortable like adding you or letting you follow me. So thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you later. What do you think of that? Well, la-dee-da. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. This update. So, what's your pick of the month? Mine is the Commodores in the pocket. You know, I, that's not a shock because I don't think you liked any record on this episode. Nope. Yeah. Nope. This is the month of the month of nope. The month but of except nope for the for Commodores. Henry. Look, Lionel Richie saved my fucking June, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I am going to recommend my album of the month is Whoppin' by the English Beat. I think it's a really good record. It does take more than one listen to get into. But it definitely, when it's riding with this with this crew, it's definitely the best record, I think, uh, far and away, in my opinion. Lionel fucking Richie. He's coming. His next record, his solo right. debut is coming. This was just a training wheels version. The love master. Many thanks to our show producer, Greg Levin. And if you like the way we sound, you can talk to him at Urban Dweller, U-R-B-N-D-W-E-L-L-R, on Instagram or at NBC Greg on Twitter. Thanks. Thankful to have him in our team. Henry, I, I blew that. You're so good at that. <laughs> We're thankful to have him on our team. Great. Just notes. <laughs> I like it. Many thanks to Megan Maddox. <laughs> that seems wrong. It feels wrong. <laughs> She's our social media maven, so if you want to start a social media argument with us, You'll probably be arguing with her. Chris. And you know, she argues with us every episode about her last name, and we still fuck it up. What, Henry? What? I made you a mixtape.